All right, time to share. Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Domingo. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, everybody. It's good to see everybody here and welcome everybody in the room. Not sure how many people are there, but welcome. And uh, I'm just going to keep it simple, talk about what it was like, what happened, and what I'm like today. And um, and I, I love that reading. That reading really reminded me of something. So um, I'll talk about the reading because I may not get back to it. And I'll talk about something that happened in this room that really changed changed me. I said, uh, so, okay, let me talk. Before I do that, let me talk a little bit about uh, qualify so you know where I'm coming from. And, I'm, and Lance, is, can I share my screen? Is that possible? Yeah. Okay. Yes, you can. You're co-host. You can share the screen. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So I will show some pictures. So you guys mm -hmm. um, just, again, know what some of my experience was. Why don't, why don't I start a little bit with telling you qualified. My name is Domingo. I'm a compulsive overeater. My abstinence, my abstinence state is March 30th, 2009. I just recently celebrated 13 years of um, abstinence, which I'm really grateful for, one day at a time through my higher power. I am 100 pounders. I've been relieved of 145 pounds. I'm available to sponsor and I sponsor men. So I'll share my screen with you all. Uh, so you guys can see a little bit about what it looked like. Uh, can you guys see the screen with the pictures on it? Yeah. All right. So yes. uh, this is uh, this one's me here um, in the Marine Corps. Uh, what and what I thought was the best shape of my life, but I'm in the best shape of my life now. Uh, the difference being, I'm actually slightly thinner and. Um, than I was in this picture now I am now uh but I'm not and I'm still a compulsive overeater like I am there only there I was uh I was an exercise bulimic I was uh you know I was I know I could see my brain and I could see that I was thinking about what I'm going to eat being very calculated okay I'm going to eat this I'm going to eat that and then I've got to probably go for a run maybe you know and trying to control the amount of food. See, I start night, I start easy, one hot dog. Yeah, I don't, but you know, that's just, you know, and then I'm like, I'm still hungry and I go back for another hot dog that I'm still hungry. And then I go back for another hot dog. You know, that's kind of how I do it. I, uh, against, you know, my, against, uh, you know, trying to uh, force my will and control my compulsive reading, it didn't work. And, um, and I don't have to over, I don't have to exercise like I did back then. You know, back then I was maybe doing, I don't know, three to five miles a day up, up, uh, along with a bunch of other crazy exercise, you know. Um, so fast forward. And, you know, the other thing was, is that uh, I was a lot of white knuckling, which thankfully I don't have to do in recovery today. This is me um, a few years later. This is pro this is probably in 19. I mean, uh, 2000. This is in 2000. So. The other picture was in 89. So, you know, 11 years later, you know, that's me just, um, and I got um, let go of the Marine Corps because I couldn't maintain the weight standard. But this apple, this apple on the bottom right-hand corner is a representation of, of again, my obsession with like, try, like trying to control what I ate, you know, thinking like an apple, if I eat a bunch of fruit, like I'll be okay, like, you know, 
that'll be the answer. This last picture is me and my all my brothers. Uh, I was the biggest one here. I'm no longer the biggest one now, but um, but yeah, my my this brother here, the one on the right hand side, used to make fun of me. He used to tease me about my weight. At one point, one time, he said, "What what are you like? Three hundred pounds?" And I told him no, defensively. And uh, yeah, eventually, I would I would go up to three hundred pounds. This is this picture is is at my bottom, in probably two thousand eight, uh, before I came into program, living in my car again, you know, over three hundred pounds. This is probably me. I don't know why. What drove me to take this picture? I think I was just so miserable. I felt I had to capture the moment because uh, I certainly wasn't in a happy mood. Uh, this is me in twenty twelve. Um, you know, at a uh, what quote unquote normal weight, you know, hanging out with fat, with friends. Uh, my mom's in red. My uncle uh, is the older gentleman there who's now passed away. And then my cousin and her husband. And, you know, this is, um, I never would have like thought of spending time with anybody because it was all, my life was all transactional before coming into program. What can you do for me? And what can I do for you? So you can do something for me. It wasn't about just being relaxed and about spending time with people and just that being the end in itself. It was like, again, it was, what can I do for you so you can do something for me? And then this is me with my daughter uh, in 2010. Um, I, was being, I was able to be present with her. Um, I also, uh, my disease comes out in three forms, primarily money, food, and relationships. And so to be able to be relaxed, have the financial resources, be in good health, want to be there for her versus being worried or overworking or not because prior to coming into recovery, I was just like a workaholic too, you know, I mean, just all kinds of stuff was unmanageable in my life. And so, uh, you know, this is just a little um, example of me being able to um, take time and be present with my, with my, with, a, you know, my daughter. And so, um, so that's a little bit about kind of my history. So I'll talk about the reading, you know, in this room, well, that reading said something really interesting. It said, I don't even have, I think it said something like, I don't even have the right to change myself. And uh, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know exactly what it said, but it doesn't matter. And um, I heard somebody in this room say that they don't have the right to control their, what they, their appearance or physical appearance. Um, that was their, that was their program. And I thought I had a reaction to that. You know, my mind said, that makes no sense at all. Of course, we have the right to change our appearance. Why do you think there's all these gyms and these, you know, channels about how to transform yourself and these weight loss things to change what one wants to look like? It's kind of like an American right. It's the 14th Amendment or whatever, 15th or whatever, whatever extra amendment in the Constitution of the United States for, uh, um, you know, uh, you know, human beings to change the way they look. And I had certainly pres uh, prescribed, no, ascribed to that belief that I have a right to change the way I look. And, um, but when I heard that, it gave me a release because my, my whole life, exercise and my weight 
and what I look like were like this. They were intertwined. You know, if I wanted to change the way I look, my go-to was exercise. I'm an exercise bulimic. So that was what I always thought. So every time I exercise in the back of my mind, even in recovery, it was like, well, go a little further because those are extra calories. And I would look at my watch and I would see, oh, you know, eight, 800 calories, 1400 calories. I would, you know, I would run, you know, run. I wasn't doing it primarily for that. Uh, I had learned in recovery to um, be social with people and to make that the important thing. But in, but, you know, there's like, there's thoughts and then there's the thoughts, the ones back here, the ones really driving the bus, the ones that are secretly and quietly in the dark um, with the real agenda, you know, with the real agenda, like, uh, uh, you know, in the face of everybody and even to myself, hey, I've got a good reason for doing A, but in the back of my mind, you know, you got that, you got those thoughts that are really, yeah, you know, putting a face uh, of that, I'm doing this for this reason, but then I really wanna get this outcome, you know, that manipulating, um, that manipulating, those manipulating thoughts in the background that are really driving uh, and are really, uh, yeah, driving and affecting my life. So, um, so, but that gave me permission to then, to then separate exercise and, um, and, and what I look like. And so today, if I exercise, I exercise, I don't, I don't pay attention to how many um, steps I do. I don't have a step goal. I don't, you know, if I look, if I do a run, I don't all of a sudden look at my watch to see how far I went and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's just me. You know, it's just, I do it because I, I want to have fun and I want, and I do it because I want, I want to stay healthy and I do it because I enjoy it. It's a good physical release. And, uh, and I don't exercise because I want to be healthy in some cases, meaning I don't go out for two hour runs anymore. I don't go out for two hour mountain bike runs anymore. Even though I can do it, I noticed it's my, I noticed that it's too much on my body. Uh, I don't know if it'll always be that way, but, um, but it's too much on my body. So I, I brought it down. If I go exercising, it'll be like an hour ish, you know, um, versus two versus two hours. And I could do two or three hours of running. I just, I, God's blessed me with, um, some good cardiovascular health. Usually my resting heart rate is about mm, 48, you know, 48 to 52. Um, so anyways, what was it like? Well, I'll give you the short version of what it was like. Scary growing up in an alcoholic home, and um, so scary not just not just an alcoholic home, but in a in a scary um, bullying uh, school environment. Maybe it was normal, but to me, it was it was horrible. I school was horrible. You know, there'd be bullying, there'd be name calling, and. I'm just not the type of person, you know, like some guys can just dish it right back and I'm not, you know, I internalize everything and, you know, it was so bad. I realize now, um, looking back, like things had to be so bad that I felt it was necessary to go to food to the point where I, 
I, I went to food so often that it became an obsession and a problem in itself. You know, it used to be something that helped me through the day. It used to be something that made me feel better, you know, that distracted me. Um, then it became a problem in itself, but that's how bad, you know, my life was some, and it's, and for somebody like me, who's gone through some trauma, it's easy to just kind of put it in the past and, uh, forget about it. I don't, it's really weird because it's something that I get to address so that I can process that grief. Um, but it's not that I live there. It's just that I get to, I got, I've gotten to look at it very clearly um you know blamelessly and um myself and others and uh just see it for what it is so that i can kind of release it and so it can it you know those those uh, reactions and those tools and those um those impulsions to try to keep myself safe at all times that hyper vigilance and that trying to fawn, so keep everybody happy, everybody, everybody happy, nobody, nobody get mad at me, you know, I got to keep myself safe, all that, so that I can release those behaviors and just walk in the sunlight, uh, you know, walk in the sunlight, you know, a, a loving child of God, just confident that my higher power has me. And I get to do that today. I get to do that in so many new ways today, which I'm really grateful for. But it does go back. It does um, require going back and looking at all those things. And so that's how I became a compulsive overeater. I used food as a tool so much that, uh, I, like the big book says, I had crossed that invisible line. And, um, and voila, you know, I'm a compulsive overeater. And now I can't help myself. And now I've got a bigger problem than when I first started. Or I've got an additional problem than when I first started. So you know, decades of that, you know, then you saw me at my bottom, you know, uh, trying to be in between. I was trying to do everything to find a higher power to save me. That's all I've been looking for. It's a higher power to save me. Uh, nobody had answers for my questions that I would have, you know, as a young kid, you know, I was asking questions about life and why are we here? And I learned that everybody was freaking winging it. And that scared the shit. That scared me more than anything. I'm like, okay, the people that I, tr it's like feeling the ground, you know, shake underneath you. And because uh, it's like the, all these people that are in authority and that I trust and that have uh, teachers and priests and parents and, and what have you, they're all just winging it. They don't know either. So that was not comforting to me. But, um, so I try to make all kinds of things my higher power. The military, for one, uh, relationships, uh, companies, you know, the job, the boss, you know, transferring all my family relationships over to my over to my job. Okay, I think that's five minutes. Five minutes, okay. Thank you. And um, and uh, it didn't work. You know, some stuff would work for a little while until I would get disillusioned. And because I'm making things my higher power that aren't that don't have the capacity to be a higher power. You know, nothing riches, uh, material objects, those things, you know, they're, it's all dust. You know, it all it's uh, I needed something. I needed perfect security. So when I came in, um, 
uh, and fortunately I've been able to find it, which the program, I gotta tell you, program has given me satisfaction on so many things, so many problems that I thought were outside of the scope of ever being solvable. I thought no way can anything solve this problem. I've had it for too long. Whatever it is, a question, you know, questions about the universe, uh, um, you know, think, you know, concerns about myself and who I am and the world and how it operates and and uh, just, you know, um, guilt and remorse for things that I've done, you know, um, that I thought I'm just going to have to live with. This is just what life is. You've got questions that dog that, you know, I've got questions that dog me my whole life and that torture me. They're my demons so to speak, and I'm just going to have to live with them. I realized that with program, I, I, I've been released of them, you know, and I, I didn't have to live with them. I thought I did, but I didn't. And uh, it's been amazing. And I, <clears throat> at first it started, like at first it started with my four step. I was convinced when I did my four step, it would, the results would, you know, after we tabulated the results, it would come back and the bottom line would be, Yes, your biggest concern concern that you are the coward that you think you are is true. You you know, that's what I thought the fourth step was the results were gonna come out like a grade. Uh result, coward, you know. Um it didn't it didn't turn out that way. It didn't turn out way that, that that way, you know. Um that was just one of the ones one of the things. It like all the negative things that were on the so forefront of my mind took a back seat, you know, and then all the good things like, like came to, you know, came back to me. I was able to like appreciate even the struggles and challenges. It's like I got my whole life back, you know, uh, whereas all my negative things during my active disease were constantly in my face, constantly in my face. Um, I've also loved the third step because I love that we can ask for and create the higher power that we need. And so today I have no problems. It, and when I notice I have a problem, I realize that I'm limiting my higher power's power and that my higher, I need to go back and take a look at, that, at, at my relationship with my higher power and what I think my higher power is. And I've had to go back and look at that, especially um, this last year or two when I've been in a program for emotions and trauma and relationships. I really needed a new higher power and I've been able, you know, one that can, can reparent me and one that can teach me what unconditional love is. And, um, and one that can make it easy for me. I heard, I think it was in this meeting, someone say, the speaker say, yeah, I tell my higher power to third grade it for me, you know, make it simple, make it obvious and repeat it. And that, and, and um, I re and then I remembered I can ask for that too. And so I've been asking that. I said, higher power, I don't want to overwork. I I don't. What happens? Higher power makes it so easy, but I'm used to working. Everything becomes work. Everything becomes a job. Everything becomes you know. I strap myself up and get ready to climb that mountain when it's right there, right in front of me. You know, and maybe it always has been right there at my feet. You know, I don't know. I don't look down and notice. Oh, I've already got the solution. The solution's in the problem. It requires no time 
you know, it's not like a problem. And then the solution comes much later. It's intertwined. It's right there. Right when I think I notice I have a problem, the solution is right there. And um, so I'm grateful. That's the prize of the program. And I'll wrap up. I know I only have like 15 seconds. Um, the prize of the program is a relationship with the God of understanding that loves me unconditionally and that I can ask anything of and that wants to give me anything and whose sole goal is to see me happy, joyous and free. And, um, and, uh, and I readily accept that today with the help of the program, with the, you know, being abstinent and having, not having that obsession interfering and distracting me from everything. I get to, I get to work on those things, you know, um, abstinence is kind of like the ticket to life, to be able to live uh, life as a, as a human being and loving child of God. So I love all you guys. Thanks for, um, Shelby asking me to share and I pass.